For Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, it was less than it appeared to be. For us, it was more than it appeared to be. I'm talking here about baptism, Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River by John the Baptist 2,000 years ago, and our baptism today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus arrived at the Jordan River and presented himself to his cousin John, he appeared to be a sinner. St. Luke tells us that John the Baptist went throughout the whole region of Judea proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole purpose for receiving John's baptism was to acknowledge that you were a sinner and to seek God's mercy and pardon. But Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, never ever sinned. He had no need of the Heavenly Father's forgiveness like the rest of us do, although he appeared to need it. Perhaps it also appeared to some of the bystanders who witnessed this event that John was greater than Jesus, since John was the person who baptized our Lord. But of course he wasn't, as he himself acknowledged in the Gospel reading we just heard. John knew the truth, and so he said, I should be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me? At the Jordan, Jesus appeared to be a sinner, but he wasn't. He appeared to be somebody less important than John the Baptist, but he wasn't. In reality, he was much more important. After all, he had created John and everyone else who was there that day. So why did Jesus get baptized? John, in effect, asks Jesus that question here, and our Lord responds by saying, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. There's a footnote in the New American Bible that explains that response very well. It reads as follows, to fulfill all righteousness is to submit to the plan of God for the salvation of the human race. This involves Jesus' identification with sinners, hence the propriety of accepting John's baptism. To save us, in other words, Jesus Christ had to take our sins upon himself. But in order to take our sins upon himself, he needed to look like a sinner, even though he wasn't. And he did. He certainly looked like a sinner when he hung on that cross on Good Friday afternoon. But that identification with sinners was also present throughout his three-year ministry. Remember what his enemies called him. They called him a glutton. They called him a drunkard. They called him a lot of other not-so-nice things. And that identification with sinners was also present at his baptism. See, Jesus' baptism was an act of humility. It was an act of love. It did not bring him any forgiveness, which is why I say it was less than it appeared to be. Now that's the exact opposite of the way it was for you and for me. 
our baptism, whether it occurred in infancy or in adulthood, was more than it appeared to be. Much more than it appeared to be. If you've been to a baptism recently, you know that it's a very simple ceremony, and I would say a visually unspectacular event. One person, usually a member of the clergy, pours water three times over the forehead of another person, or he dunks that person three times into a pool of water, and he says a very short sentence. He says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What's so special about that? Aside from being a good excuse to have a family party on a Sunday afternoon, the ceremony of Catholic baptism appears to be little more than a nice, ordinary, very brief religious ritual. That's what it appears to be. But in reality, it's packed with power. Literally packed with power. If you've been unaware of that up until this point in your life, don't be too upset with yourself. Apparently, many of the earliest Christians also failed to appreciate the power of the sacrament of baptism. St. Paul wrote to some of them in Romans 6 when he said, Are you unaware, apparently some of them were unaware, are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. For if we have grown into union with him through a death like his, we shall also be united with him in the resurrection. The effects of baptism, my brothers and sisters, are many. Through baptism, first of all, we are born again of water and the Holy Spirit. If somebody ever asks you on the street, hey, are you born again? You know, Protestants sometimes ask us that question. As Catholics, we should respond, you betcha. I'm born again of water and the Holy Spirit. I was born again of water and the Spirit when I was baptized. And remember, Jesus says in John chapter 3 that we need to be born again of water and the Holy Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God at the end of our lives. So we're born again through baptism. Through baptism, original sin is also taken away. Original sin, remember, is not like the personal sins we commit on a daily basis. When we say we're born with original sin, what we mean is we come into this world lacking sanctifying grace in our soul. Sanctifying grace is the grace Jesus died on that cross and rose from the dead to give us. It's the grace we need in our soul if we want to pass through the pearly gates of heaven someday. Sanctifying grace, don't leave earth without it. Through baptism, also, all our personal sins are forgiven. This obviously applies to people who are baptized later in life. And all the temporal punishment due to those sins is taken away. As it says in paragraph 1265 of the Catechism, baptism not only purifies from all sins, it also makes the neophyte a new creature, an adopted son of God, who has become a partaker of the divine nature a member of Christ, and a co-heir with him, and a temple of the Holy Spirit. Baptism also makes us a member of the Church, 
It imprints an indelible mark on our soul. It gives us a share in the royal priesthood of Jesus Christ. And it opens us up to the possibility of receiving the other sacraments. Not bad for a nice, ordinary, very brief religious ritual. This, by the way, is why a priest will sometimes delay the baptism of an infant. It's because baptism is so important. It's because baptism is so powerful. It's not to be taken lightly. And yet, unfortunately, sometimes it is. In this regard, paragraph 1270 of the Catechism says the following, Reborn as sons of God, the baptized must profess before men the faith they have received from God through the Church and participate in the apostolic and missionary activity of the people of God. In other words, the baptized person needs to live the Catholic faith that they profess when they're old enough to do so, of course. But if the priest has a good reason to believe that a particular child will not be educated and brought up in the faith, that priest can, and that priest should, delay the sacrament. Now, lest you think this is my idea, the official policy of the Church on the matter is found in a 1980 document entitled Instruction on Infant Baptism. We need to understand this because every once in a while a question comes up about this kind of situation. This document was prepared by the Sacred Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. It was approved by John Paul II. And in that document it says this, Assurances must be given that the gift the gift of sanctifying grace, thus granted in baptism, can grow by an authentic education in the faith and Christian life in order to fulfill the true meaning of the sacrament. As a rule, these assurances are to be given by the parents or close relatives, although various substitutions are possible within the Christian community. But if these assurances are not really serious, there can be grounds for delaying the sacrament. And if they are certainly non-existent, the sacrament should even be refused. Of course, when those responsible for the child's upbringing change and do give those assurances by their words and even more importantly by their actions, then the baptism can take place and the baptism should take place. I'll end my homily now the way I began it, by reminding you once again of those two important truths. The baptism of Jesus Christ was less than it appeared to be. Your baptism, my baptism, our baptism was more than it appeared to be. Because Jesus' baptism was less than it appeared to be, he can save us. And because our baptism was more than it appeared to be, we can be saved. Obviously, therefore, we should thank God for both those truths, today and every day. Mm -hmm.